Therapy can be weird. You ask your therapist a question, and instead of a reply, you get another question coming back to you. Why won't they just answer the damn question? You're asking them, in one way or another, am I weird? Are you judging me? Have you ever been through the same? Am I alone in this? Why would a therapist who is meant to care for you, his, who is meant to be there to solve your wounds, put you through this? This has gone beyond weird. This is sadistic. Today on the Insider's Guide to Therapy, we discuss why my therapist won't share or overshares about themselves. As always, our writer Stephanie Harrison is with me. Hi, Mark. That was a great intro. Thank you. I keep on trying to add a dramatic flair. It, it works, and it's true. I mean, I, I think that that's an important way to lead into this discussion because I think most people that have been in therapy for more than a session or two have had that moment where they ask a therapist a question and the therapist responds with a question. And it's usually along the lines of, you know, so if you ask your therapist, oh, well, do you have this problem? And they're like, well, why would you want to know that? Why, why would that information be important to you? And it feels like a mind game or it feels insulting. Like you said, it could even feel sadistic. And as a client, it's, it's so off-putting. Um, and there's a reason for it. And we're going to talk about that today. Um, and it's, it's just such a common moment of frustration for people in therapy. Um, that is, is definitely worth delving into. Yeah, and um, again, thanks to the folks on Reddit for asking the question a bunch of times, but we did our best to, to give it an answer. So this is a companion um, podcast to the article that Stephanie wrote called My Therapist Won't Share or Overshares About Themselves. Help! Exclamation <laughs> mark. Um, and again, it's a, it's a very common thing and um, probably... The most important thing to discuss, well, to start, is that it's so unusual because the way that a therapist answers a question in therapy is unlike anything you'll experience in real life, like in normal social conversations where we practically would never answer a question with a question. Yeah, and I think that, that that's something that uh, doesn't get talked about enough when it comes to therapy about why, especially if you're a new client in therapy, so many things about therapy feel weird. It's because we have all of these social norms that drive our behavior very powerfully, and some of them are ancient. You know, some of them are modern, but some of them have been just a way humans interact with each other for a very, very long time. So when someone doesn't respond in the way that you expect, Expect, it creates some level of distress in you. Um, and a lot of what a therapist does that has a well-meaning, intentional uh, rationale behind it can feel insulting. It can feel um, demeaning. It can feel like they're messing with you. None of which is the case, but it's very valid to feel that way because if any if you were just having this interaction outside of therapy, it would imply something negative. If you ask someone, oh, have you ever felt like this? And they said, well, why do you want to know that? It's like rude. It's like, you know, telling someone to piss off. So it's like, why is my therapist doing this to me? And um, 
you know, they, they have reasons and none of which are that they feel superior or are judging you or don't like you or all these things that your, your brain can kind of come up with in the moment. And yeah, I'm glad we're talking about it today because I just feel like there's so many things in therapy that violate social norms that are like, we are just like almost genetically programmed to you know, I even read an, uh, for one of these articles I was researching, I think on the why is my therapist so silent, like there's a certain length of time that usually spans between one person and the other in conversation. It's like milliseconds. Mm. So when you have someone that responds with a long pause of silence, there's part of your brain that goes help. And there's just so much of therapy that's like that. And if, you know, if more therapists took a moment to explain to their clients why it's like this. Um, it, it might do away with a lot of these fears and anxieties that, that can come up in therapy. Right. And so, um, you know, I think today there'll be a lot of discussion about why therapists do this. But for me, most of them flow from the, the basic um, mission of therapy is that therapy should be therapeutic. It shouldn't be just a casual conversation about friends. Um, there's something very purposeful that a therapist is doing in therapy and it's not off the cuff. It's not, um, you know, because this is the path of least resistance or a social norm. They're there to help the clients in one way or another. And sometimes that means, um, causing the, the client some distress. So, you know, it's very normal that therapists are, are in a way knowingly doing something that's, um, not offering the client immediate gratification. So the client says, um, have you ever felt this way before? And the immediate gratification answer would be like, sure, plenty of times. But typically that answer isn't going to be very therapeutic for the client because it's not helping them think in more detail and understand beyond this very moment what's behind the question and, and what the, the deeper question really is. Yeah. And that's, you know, one of the main reasons that therapists do this, that respond to a question with a question. Well, you know, it, it seems to someone that's not experienced in therapy, almost like just some a, a way for someone to tell you to stop pursuing that avenue of questioning. But the therapist genuinely is interested in your response. They're not just saying they're they're, they're It's not a rhetorical question. They're not just saying, well, why do you think you might be interested in knowing that information? They really want you to take the moment to explore that because ultimately they're going to hopefully bring you back around to that same moment of, of like realizing that you have some anxiety that there's something about you that's shameful or that's different. And they're trying to help you kind of get into a deeper layer of exploring what that anxiety is and where it comes from. So you can kind of get to the deeper source of it. Um, you know, and, and again, though, it's just one of those things, like once you get used to it, it can actually be a really cool experience. To have Once. someone, you know, most of the time, I mean, while we like having people say, oh, yeah, totally, it happened to me. But to have someone who's so keyed in on your deep, deep level of experience and who's asking you questions because they're trying to take you deeper into that than anyone else you talk to, it feels great. It's just one of those things you have to get used to in therapy. It is. It's kind of interesting. Um I think you're, what you're mentioning is that the therapist assumes that there is a deeper answer that that's more rich than the the surface level one that we we could discuss here. Um, so I just kind of thought of an example. Um, you go to your therapist and you say, "I was so angry this morning. I I nearly kicked my dog. Have you ever felt that way?" 
in a normal conversation, you're like an average person would say, oh, yeah, all the time. But <laughs> or if when, you're on the Internet, people would be like, you terrible person. For How thinking dare you it. even have the thought? How dare you even have the thought? Oh, my gosh. I can imagine yeah. the controversy. <laughs> um, but as a therapist, you, you would be more interested what makes you ask the question. And, and right. literally, you, we don't know what the, the reason for the question is. And hence, we're not just flippantly asking the question back. It's because we want to know. Um, is it that you're ashamed of having the thought of kicking your dog? Um, what was the bad day about? Was the bad day about something you had happened at work or with your spouse? Is that the interesting part of the story? What's the interesting part of the story? Um, are you worried that I'm judging you for that? Um, oh, there are probably like 20 different implications. Are you, you know, um, are you proud that you were able to find your anger inside and you want to see support that that um, I recognize that you have anger and that's a very human emotion that you haven't been able to own before? There are a million different flavors of why someone is asking a therapist a question. And so when a therapist reflects back a question, I wonder why you asked that, there's a genuine curiosity. It's not just a... a a sadistic sort of flip around and put you in the spotlight kind of question that the therapist returns with. Yeah. And it's, you know, there's also another important reason, which is um, therapists have to be very careful about how much they share about themselves because that can be anti-therapeutic. Um, you know, there's different methods of therapy. There's different schools of therapy that have different ideas about how much, if anything, a therapist should share about themselves. But, you know, what's in common with any school of therapy is that some schools there we say any sharing is, is bad. Some say a little bit is good. But there's definitely a point where it's too much. And a therapist has to be really careful that they're not burdening a client. You know, the, the last thing a therapist wants is to have a client start worrying about them because the, the session's for the client. The session is a place where the client can kind of take off that, you know, cloak of caretaking that they're always wearing like it's about them and instead of them stopping themselves and it can stop someone in their process too if if they you know if they learn oh my god my therapist just went through this terrible thing now is it selfish of me or should I tell them about maybe you know or maybe they feel guilty like wow my therapist is actually going through something harder than what I'm going through today should we even talk about me and and all of that is the last thing a therapist wants and you know um there's a there's a point too where there is a point where some amount of self-disclosure depending on you know a therapist philosophy is okay and there are some moments of where a therapist will make the decision of giving a little bit of self-disclosure. Like if, if a client discloses, especially some kind of really particular type of trauma, you know, a therapist might say, you know what, I've, I've gone through something similar. Uh, I, I know what a difficult journey it can be. But the difference is a good kind of self-disclosure from a therapist should help you as the client feel affirmed, feel like you're not alone. The bad kind of self-disclosure makes you start either worrying about your therapist, feeling like the session starting to become about your therapist 
work. I mean, that's a red flag. If a therapist makes you feel like they're trying to get you to help them work through their stuff, that's a real red flag, you know, but, but, you know, so a a little bit of self-disclosure that helps you understand that your therapist can empathize with you, can be therapeutic, can be helpful, but there's definitely a point where a therapist can just start to burden you or distract you or, or take you out of the process that you need to go through to understand and heal. Right. And I think it kind of speaks to good therapy is about the client. The The therapist is almost completely there for the client. And, and practically everything is about the client's welfare in the present and in the future. And all disclosure kind of, kind of gets um, sourced from that basic concept. And, and so as a therapist... And I'm about to disclose something, I'm thinking to myself, is this in my client's best interest? Will this be an aid to them or will it be a burden? And some of the things that people might find distressing or unusual or weird at the beginning of therapy, which is this almost complete um, focus on the client and not the therapist, which is unusual in, in adult relationships, eventually clients are are able to really enjoy the particular focus and oh goodness like i don't have to worry about mutuality i don't need to worry about asking my my therapist are they doing okay how's your mother or all those um, other questions that that we we have in a normal typical exchange amongst um equals you know people that that we are having a mutual relationship with yeah, and that's part of, you know, there's different terms therapists use. Therapists talk about therapeutic boundaries. They talk about the therapeutic frame. But there's these, there's kind of a set of unspoken rules um, that define the therapy relationship and allow it to be what it is. And, you know, that's why one of the rewarding parts of therapy is going from that early stage where you're comparing your interactions with your therapist to everyday interactions and feeling frustrated or confused to feeling the richness of getting to relate with a person in a different way than you really get to relate anywhere else. Because that's the thing is that, you know, some of us that are very into therapy and personal growth might engage with partners and friends in a more like talking about our stuff, but it's still not going to be the same as when you do it with a therapist because of the way they keep the focus on you, the way they go deeper into your feelings and responses and help you explore. Um, You know, so I think over time, the cool thing is that you start to realize that instead of feeling frustrated, that you can't learn as much about your therapist as maybe you want to, you feel empowered and engaged by being able to relate in this different way than you usually get to relate to other people. Um, I think probably another important thing um, along with that is it also makes you as a client much more vulnerable than the therapist. Mm. Um, The reality is you're sharing a lot of yourself. You're usually daring to share parts that you, you don't share with others. And it can be really difficult because it does. Um, being a client involves a ongoing vulnerability. And often um, clients will want to question the therapist in a way because they feel so vulnerable. And they just mm-hmm. want to, can you share something vulnerable too? Because I'm sitting out here, I've spilled my secrets, I've spilled my soul, I, I've spilled all these things that I don't tell anyone else in the world. Like, can you join me in here, me 
can you join me here too? Because I feel so vulnerable. And um, again, the, the questions are often a, a rescue me from this vulnerability. And instead of answering the questions um, that the, the therapist can at least tease out, I wonder what's behind that. And they might say, because I feel so vulnerable. I, mm -hmm. I've shared so much and, and you're not sharing everything. And um, that brings up a lot of feelings too. It's really hard to be vulnerable when the other's not. Yeah, and it's it's part of the power dynamic in therapy, which is why it can feel I insulting, you know, where a therapist is sitting in a place where they are choosing not to share and they're choosing not to be as vulnerable as you. And that puts them in a certain position of power over you. But a good ethical therapist is doing that for a reason and not taking advantage of it, you know, and there is some Again, some therapists will sense when a client really needs that moment of reassurance. Uh, and it takes a lot of clinical skill and insight because there, there is that tension between one of the gifts of therapy is, again, something that we don't usually get to do in any other kind of interaction we have is sit in a feeling that's uncomfortable with a person who's safe to be in that uncomfortable feeling with. You know, most of the time, if you're going through something that doesn't feel great, the other people around you are very uncomfortable and they want to, you know, well-meaning friends, they want to make you feel better. But part of that, sometimes you need to be in that feeling. You need to feel it. You need to process it. You need to work through it. You need to understand it. And that requires going through the unpleasant, uncomfortable process of just sitting there in that kind of gross feeling. And the therapist is there to be that safe person to let you do that where they're not judging you. Um, you know, they're just letting you kind of go through that process with someone that hopefully makes you feel cared for. And there, but there is sometimes that moment where, you know, if a client, like if you as a client are really in a, a heavy place, you're in a crisis, Sometimes that therapist being non-disclosing can actually do more harm than good if they just kind of shut you down. Like if you feel like you're drowning almost in something that's just so overwhelming, a good therapist will sense that and kind of maybe step in with a little bit of, you know what? Yeah, you know, a lot of people go through that or I've been through that, whatever's appropriate, you know, and then sometimes it you're in an OK enough place where you can sit in that painful feeling. And, you know, it's again, it's not sadistic. It's not the therapist wanting to do that on purpose. It's just that it's all to the aim of therapy, which is helping you get to know yourself better and work through and heal some of these uh, painful emotions. And I think um, inherent in that is I think therapy is very future focused. And so mm. it's not necessarily about resolving a feeling that the person is feeling now. It's about helping that resolve that feeling in an ongoing basis and so often the, the quickest way to make someone feel better is to, to offer some reassurance or to say that's very normal, but that doesn't really take them much further tomorrow and the next day and 10 years from now. And again, that's one of those things about therapy, which can be very confusing, that it, it can be very uncomfortable. And, and therapists, mm -hmm. in a way, purposefully, knowingly make it uncomfortable for people and that's just very unusual in relationships. It's very unusual that someone would purposefully withhold something that you would find immediately gratifying. Yeah, and it's it's unusual in general, you know, in our, our cultural moment, especially like so much of what our behavior as human beings in this day and age is about avoidance. <laughs> 
If you don't feel good, distract yourself with one of the, you know, multiple dozens of distractions we have available to us now. Uh, If you don't feel good, go find someone or something that's going to make you feel better. And sometimes that is the, you know, right answer. Um, Sometimes a little bit of distraction is exactly what you need. Sometimes a little bit of reassurance is exactly what you need. But if you've got some deep pain and you've got a wound that you need to heal, the only way to heal it is to get into it and to explore it and to be with it and to stop avoiding it, to stop resisting it. And that's what that therapist is there to help you do. You know, they're, they're there to almost like hold your hand, not literally, but figuratively as you go through this place in yourself, that's very difficult because one of the gifts of therapy is that when you start to hang out in these challenging emotions and things, you, you notice that you're, you're not as afraid of them. Your behavior probably starts to change a little where you're not spending so much time in avoidance because you're not just going into that instinctual reaction of, I don't want to feel this. Yeah, and, and that's a huge part of the orientation of therapy, which is to go towards a pain rather than away. You know, our instinct right. is to to retreat from pain. Um, how do I make this pain go away? Um, maybe I could scapegoat another person. Maybe I could have a, a drink. Maybe I could keep myself busy. There are a million different ways that we can run away pain, but, but going towards pain is just counterintuitive. But for a therapist, they're always kind of gradually guiding people towards the pain, towards the difficult feeling, towards this conflictual feeling that you can't resolve because that's where the the real healing lies. And I think it's probably why most people like an hour of therapy a week is good. That's about as much as we can handle (laughs) because it ain't easy. It ain't fun. It's, it's for a reason. Um, but it, it ain't fun. Right. And and I think, you know, it's unfortunately why a lot of people quit therapy prematurely, because I think, you know, it, it's overall wonderful that, you know, the stigma of therapy and other forms of mental health treatment is going away. And it's become much more normative and positive to talk about therapy. But I think the one of the downsides of this popularization of therapy is kind of the solution to various mental health things is this idea that therapy makes you feel better. And ideally it does, but it usually takes time to get there. And often you have to feel worse before you feel better. So what happens to a lot of people is they go into therapy wanting immediate relief. And then it actually makes them feel worse early on when they are starting to break down the barriers of avoidance around, you know, and, and spending some time with and in these painful feelings. And it's like, you've got to stick with it long enough to get to the other side of that. Because the idea is that by going through that process, you heal all that in a deeper level, because every time you avoid it, it's just going to be there as soon as, as soon as your show is over, as soon as the alcohol wears off, as soon as, you know, you, you get off the roller coaster and go back home, you know, whatever it is that you're using to distract yourself or feel good. You know, it's still going to be there. I drive down the 405 here in Southern California a lot. And there are a lot of like billboards for beer and cars and stuff like that. General like avoidance mechanisms. But I wonder if we need to put up billboards like encouraging people to be with difficult feelings. Good luck. I don't know. Good luck. I don't know where I'll get the funding for it. But I think there may be a a lot of value for that. (laughs) 
Well, you know, uh, if if that was the larger message that people are absorbing, a lot of people would be out of business. Because <laughs> there's, yeah. there's a lot of people making a lot of money off of uh, our natural desire to find ways to avoid painful, uncomfortable feelings. Yeah, there are a lot of, not a lot of billboards for creating deeper meaning in your life and a, a deeper sense of who you are. Um, it's a pity. It's a pity. I, I think that's going to be a far more rewarding long term than a lot of the other things uh, put forth. Yeah, I think the upside, though, is we because more people are embracing therapy and getting into therapy. I, I don't know. I feel like from a lot of the social and public discourse I follow, uh, it's not just that more people are open minded to therapy and mental health care. It's also that there's like more people are talking about dealing with issues and talking about um, vulnerable, difficult feelings and sharing when things aren't so great. I, I've see this almost generation by generation progress. And like, I don't have to put out this like fake, happy persona all the time. It's okay to share when I'm not doing great or feeling great. I think the pandemic kind of helped us all. Like we all went through this terrible collective trauma together and none of us were doing great. And so it made it a little more okay to be like, yeah, I'm not doing so great. And that's so important. So yeah, I do think we are kind of moving toward that in a way. Which is wonderful because there, there needs to be a space for that. Um, you know, I think therapy is one of the rare places left where people can can talk about deep existential issues. Um, there, there aren't many places where those discussions can happen. And, and therapy is a safe place where, where people can go into the darker feelings and, and receive some holding and understanding and um, have people cheer you on for for being with difficult feelings that that's not a commonly held uh, value in our culture no and you know it's interesting when you mention like uh, it being a place to explore existential issues because you know that's something we talk about in some of our other articles you know that therapy serves multiple purposes you know you can specifically go into therapy to get treatment or help with a specific mental health issue. You can go into therapy because you have a personal growth goal, something you want to achieve in your life, a place you're stuck. But that's another another valuable aspect of therapy is to kind of wrestle with these existential questions. You know, um, some people kind of engage with those through spirituality, religion, some people engage with them in different ways. Therapy can be a complement to all that because there are some questions that can't be easily answered. And to spend some time just sitting with those questions that are never going to fully go away and learning how to like live with those questions is very empowering in a lot of ways. And again, coming back to our topic, you know, when your therapist is answering your question with a question, they're implying like the real answers are inside of you. We just need Mm -hmm. to be quiet and curious and listen for them. And with the implication that the therapist doesn't have the answer, a, a reassurance from the outside isn't necessarily going to be the thing, but it, it's encouraging you to to look back into yourself, and, and um, you know that kind of sets an orientation to to uh, where answers lie. It's it's not inside. It's not necessarily in the therapist. The therapist is just another human being with you on the planet. They don't have the answers. Um, but it's implying that within you lies the answers, which is an important signal that gets sent to the client. 
Yeah. And I, I think that that I'm, I mean, I'm a big believer in that most of us, if we're asking a question, we already have the answer inside us somewhere. And usually what gets in the way is self-doubt. Um, some kind of, you know, maybe we were invalidated a lot and growing up and stopped trusting ourselves and our own judgment. And, you know, all those barriers to your own inner knowing and inner wisdom are things that you can kind of work through in therapy. And one of the best outcomes of therapy, in my opinion, is when you can work through all that to the, get to the point where you really start to appreciate and trust yourself and trust your own deep knowing because the the thing about existential questions and a lot of questions is that there is no one answer that's true for everybody. You, you've got to answer it for yourself and spending time when a therapist kind of fires a question back at you, just even learning like it's okay just to sit with a question is very empowering. Um, I don't think the, the conversation would be complete without spending a little time um, talking about the other end of the spectrum when the therapist shares too much. Because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, that can also leave a, a stinking pile of doggy doo-doo on a client's lap, which doesn't feel good. It's often an experience, well, what am I going to do with this? Or a feeling of being dropped. I thought this therapy was meant to be about me. Should I be asking you about it? Like, should I be looking after you? What's going on here? Yeah. I mean, this is one of the biggest red flags is when you're all therapists are going to either there's some therapists, again, that are going to have that positive, thoughtful self-disclosure that's actually good. Then there's therapists that are going to just be having a bad moment where they just let something slip like Oh, I just had the worst fucking morning or something like, you know, your therapist usually isn't like that. They usually don't curse or whatever. You're like, what's going on? That's that's not necessarily a red flag. That's just a human being being a human being. But when a therapist starts telling you a lot about themselves, like I have heard some horror stories that really blew my mind about people that went to therapy and their therapist was just unloading all of this personal stuff. That is a huge red flag. When you feel like the therapy session is for your therapist instead of you, your therapist is like lost the plot like they they need assistance and you need to find a better therapist because therapists can definitely overshare and it's it's definitely not good for you or your therapy right and especially when it's an extended thing most therapists should be able to catch themselves if they are right. sharing too much or Maybe your therapist just arrives in session and they're like, oh, my goodness, I need to go in a car accident. I need to just get my head put on mm. straight. Like there's some unusual stuff that might lead them to share for more than a few minutes. But it's unusual that it would be more than a few minutes of sharing. Um, mostly the, the, the spotlight is going to be on the client and more than a few minutes of sharing tends to be pretty unusual. Uh, yeah, I'd even say once you start getting into minutes, plural, <laughs> it's probably a little unusual. You know, I do think it's pretty normative for a lot of to kind of break the ice at the beginning of a session with a little bit of back and forth chit chat just to settle into being in the room together. Most of the time that doesn't last very long. And I do think the kind of thing I mean, I also think you all want to look at the kind of things a therapist is sharing, not just how much, but what like if a therapist kind of banters with you or relates to you because you're both watching the same TV show and you're and you're and you're like oh have you seen this episode oh my gosh yes that's not necessarily a red flag that just might be your therapist way of like breaking the eyes connecting with you before you get into the real meat of the session however if you spend your whole session talking about the latest episode of whatever that's probably not a good sign <laughs> you know but 
it's always a red flag if a therapist is unloading to you about stuff that's deeply personal. You know, we've recently done podcast episodes on, you know, why can't you be friends with a therapist? And why can't you have sex with a therapist? And and why there's all these boundaries and rules about how a therapist isn't supposed to have these additional relationships outside of just the client therapist relationship. And one of the first red flags when a therapist is testing or breaking those boundaries is when the therapist starts unloading their own stuff. It's almost like with some, and you know, I don't want to worry people. These kind of therapists are rare, but there are some unethical therapists that are going to kind of test the waters with you. Like, are you going to let me cross these boundaries? Are we going to let therapy start becoming something else? And that's, that's one of the reasons it's a red flag. And so the biggest thing you want to watch out for is if A, a therapist is going on a really long time and B, the stuff they're going on about is very personal and detailed and negative. And they're just kind of venting to you about a partner. They're venting to you about a coworker. That's just, that's just never a good sign. And again, just, it always, for me, kind of comes back to the, the mission of therapy, which is it should be therapeutic. And if the therapist can be receiving gratification from the sessions, but it's typically a secondary gratification. They are there to enjoy the, the feeling of helping you grow and learn and develop and heal. But it's a secondary gratification of enjoying the other's growth as opposed to, mm. to getting something for themselves directly. And that tends to be the, the lens by which I kind of look at, you know, therapist disclosure and whether they're in the interest of the therapist or the clients. And, and that's, a, I think, a fairly useful lens to look at. Who is it for here? Is it to help the client or is it to help the therapist? And... So that probably wraps up our conversation as a good place to end. Um, please go to opencounseling.com and check out the companion piece if you haven't. Um, the name of the article is My Therapist Won't Share or Overshares About Themselves. Help. And um, in that article, Stephanie's done a great job. Um, she takes a look at why the therapy relationship is so weird. How much can a therapist actually say? What happens when a therapist shares too much um, with a great box about um, what does sharing too much look like? And lots of other great questions. So please check it out if you haven't. Um, thank you so much for listening. Um, it's just such a pleasure to, to share all of this. Um, I hope you find it useful. It's something we, we really care about and we really care about helping people understand how therapy works because um, that can go a long way to, to making your time in therapy more productive, which is ultimately the game, the, ultimately the end game that we're looking for. All right. Thank you for listening and we'll speak next week.